0: Welcome to ASM Connected, the podcast brought to you by ASM Technologies. Across the series, we explore the emerging trends in tech and meet key speakers, futurists and business leaders from across the globe. In this episode, ASM Technologies Ian Tomkinson and Stephen Dale discuss the healthcare sector with Dr. Rushi Pathak Kaol. Rushi is the founder of Reconstructive Healthcare Solutions, a business that provides life changing surgical solutions using 3D technology, a TEDx and a public speaker, author, maxi facial surgeon, and a member of the Royal College of Surgeons and Physicians. Over the next 30 minutes, we hear about how technology is impacting healthcare, the growth of 3D printing solutions the challenges facing healthcare professionals, and the opportunities available for tech companies within the medical sector over the next few years. All of that to come on ASM Connected.
1: So welcome back to the ASM Connected podcast series two. Uh, I'm Stephen Dale and I'm joined once again by my colleague Ian Tonkinson. Got a great one today that we're looking forward to and it's something that's of great interest to all of us. Really looking forward to it as well.
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be really exciting, a sector that uh, has seen a lot of change in the last 18 months. So we're really excited to welcome Dr. Rushi Pathak Kaul, who is the founder of Reconstructive Healthcare Solutions.
3: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you.
1: Yeah, so we've got a bit of a plan here just to um, try and keep us on trend and along with our themes. We're bringing in that emerging technology innovation, and I like to talk about agility as well, which we've all shown throughout the different sectors of recent times. But before I start asking you about the medical questions, you did the TEDx talk. And I'm a massive fan of of TED talks, and I've got a lot of respect for anybody who steps up and puts themselves in that Position, So I wanted to ask you how that experience was and sort of what kind of preparation is involved to get to that level of public speaking.
3: Oh, thank you for the question. Regarding the TEDx talk, I would say that it's such an amazing place to be. And it kind of just opens your eyes to different sectors, you know, and different people, because it's not about you. It's about the story that you share. And actually, that story impacts so many individuals who are listening to the talk. So it's less about you. It's more about what you can give and how you can impact people. So the experience which I went through was insightful because it was not the medical people which were around. It was like myself with all different kind of people. And so interacting with different individuals really opens up so many other perspectives in terms of life, in terms of so many other areas. So that was fun.
1: And you were a great storyteller. It really was. It, it sort of drew me in. It was a fantastic story. So I urge anybody to go on to TEDx and watch that. And we'll drop a link into that as well at the end of the podcast.
3: Thank you very much. Thank you.
2: Great. And uh, I suppose uh, pushing on into some of the uh, your specialist field, um, I really uh, i have got so many questions that I could ask. And uh, I was thinking that of which ones to start with. But I thought I'd start with something that's relative to us all at the time because we've seen technology impact and improve patient experience with quite simple technologies really such as ipads so that patients could FaceTime and communicate with loved ones during the pandemic Mm -hmm. and not feel as lonely in hospital i know we've also worked with um with some rpa technologies that improves the experience around patient records and i know sometimes appointment rescheduling is um Challenge when a clinician is unavailable in a short space of time, and how RPA technology can improve that. I suppose what I'm really interested to understand is can technology not only improve the I suppose the patient experience, but the impact that it's having on on perhaps improving diagnosis, uh, recovery periods, and overall probably improve care. And I, I guess some of the organisations are looking to deliver that at lower cost. Is that where I suppose technology is starting to help?
3: Well, I would say that uh, technology is really impacting healthcare, but there is a point where technology comes first and there is a point where humans come first. So care is a very broad term, which kind of starts from the point where the patient enters the hospital or kind of wants to get help for any kind of disease or any kind of difficulty one is facing. So with respect to technology, there are things like uh, managerial areas. Administrative areas, as you said, you know, patient appointments and all of that stuff. I think that's where technology can help. That is one area. Other areas I feel that technology can help is like surgical innovations, which have really been amazing all the while. Other than that, there are certain areas where you need to record certain parameters, you know, like in the radiological, in the radiology, ECG, there are so many other areas where technology can be of help. But when it comes to diagnosis, it's a plethora of things. It's not just like the symptoms just only to one diagnosis. So I think that's where, you know, the role of a doctor comes in and that cannot be replaced by technology. So there is a point where technology comes into picture, but there is a point where human has to be there. It cannot be replaced by technology. I think it's a mixture of the two. And the thing is that the healthcare professional can actually leverage this technology to perform better. So I think that's the gist of technology. Yeah.
2: Yeah. In terms of Unfortunately, some, some weeks ago, my, my mother-in-law fell and broke her hip and uh, she was very lucky to get hip replacement surgery the following day, which was absolutely amazing. But uh, they, they used a, a robot to help with the surgery, which I'd not heard of before, and um, basically a robot arm. And I was absolutely blown away. <laughs> and apparently the recovery period is, is, is shorter in terms of getting the patient moving again. I was absolutely amazed. Yeah. But that's working alongside the surgeon, isn't it? Not not just tape replacing.
3: Exactly. Yeah, that's what I said. So it has to be the surgeon working alongside with these technologies like 3D printing, VR, AR, and, you know, as you said, robotics. So you need to have the human involvement and that human has to be the kind who has to be involved. And besides this, there's also the empathy, the other element which is involved when you're going for care. So those are the other factors which are involved, but definitely one can leverage these technologies to really get that period shortened, as you said, the post-operative period or the recovery period, as you mentioned, all of that can be shortened enough and even the care can be provided earlier.
2: I suppose in terms of preventative medicine, we've seen that change. And I don't know if it's driven by the medical industry or probably the insurance industry, depending on, uh, on your view. But wearable technology is really helping to improve and, and manage healthcare, And uh, I've got personal experience with this with my daughter, which I'll, I'll share with you. So I know that obviously most people's watches these days is tracking their steps. You can track your heart rate. VO2 max seems to be the latest trend if you're into uh, looking at personal performance, if you're out for a run. The experience I have is with my daughter with her blood sugar analysis. She she's unfortunately has type 1 diabetes but the fact that she can check her blood sugar levels on an app on her phone using an insulin pump to give her the right levels of insulin is amazing and that technology i know has changed in the last sort of 5 to 10 years you know what's next for technology in terms of preventative medicine are we going to see surgeons with vr headsets uh, i suppose where's where's it going
3: yeah so this is an amazing time and this is the best time to be as a surgeon and as a researcher uh, in all aspects that i see that technology is really penetrating our world for good i would say because uh, the education has changed the way we can educate has changed the way we perform has changed the results have become more predictable with you know with the incorporation of technology And there have been things which have changed in a way which one could not have imagined. And I think the pandemic actually accelerated that pace of growth and that pace of innovation. And this challenging time actually revealed all that was needed in the healthcare system. And we could now leverage technology. Things have drastically changed. What I feel is that with these variables, what is happening is like, Our healthcare system has always been focused upon a disease. And I personally feel that it should be focused upon wellness. So one thing which is focused upon wellness or preventive healthcare seems to be better than the one which is focused on disease. What that does is, so wearables will actually bring that shift in us because once you have the wearables, you know your parameters, So if you're diseased, it is the kind of a help for you. So, for example, you said your daughter knowing her blood sugar, it really helps because you don't have to go back and again for the test and you don't have to kind of, you know what is happening in your body. Well, before any emergency arises, you feel far better and it is a kind of prevention. But there's another one where life has been very inactive for a long period of time. A lot of revenue has been going into areas like chronic diseases and which have happened as a result of the lifestyle that we have. So with the wearables... What happens is that our focus goes to the movement of our body, you know, that is another thing that is helping. So our focus is going from a system of preventive medicine, which is really good, because that is how we can prevent these chronic disabilities that one can have. So it's, it's an amazing time.
2: Yeah, I, I always find it quite amusing when I've been for a run and I've got my uh, watch tracking all my workout and everything. And then I, I get back home, and I sit down for half an hour and then it tells me to move again. And I'm like, <laughs> come on, I've just done five or 10K run, you know, be, be kind. <laughs> In terms of that, I suppose, opening that up a little bit more, I suppose there's a lot of Data that sits behind that. Yes. How are, I suppose, physicians and people in the healthcare sector, how, how are you bringing that to life?
3: So, what I think that all of these devices have that data which is behind them. And I think that is going to really help in understanding what is happening to the society, what kind of diseases are happening, what kind of problems are happening, because you have all the parameters of, you know, so many people, it's so many individuals who are wearing these wearables. And that might even lead to understanding. how these chronic diseases are developing and to focus our attention towards the care of those particular diseases which the data can give you know which are the kind of diseases which are happening more and what are the kind of care that we're going to focus our attention on and so things like those that will really help but then you need to have a centralized data for that and I think it has been happening over a period of time but in countries which are developed it has been happening more but in countries which are in the developing phase this has to be integrated yet. So it's different in different areas of the world, but then it is there, it is growing and that's good news <laughs> in a way.
2: Yeah, I suppose in terms of challenges there and um, in terms of that data, Obviously, sometimes uh, it might be your insurance company that's collecting the data, or it might be the provider of the technology or a private company. Yes. So, so to, to actually get, I suppose, sense out of that data, that data needs to be centralized, but then you become all the challenges of all the privacy, etc. Privacy, that, exactly. That come around that. Is it,
1: yeah. Is, is this what grabs me here is the um, the new applications for how to combine the technology, the data, And that whole wellness mentality, Exactly. you're very focused on STEM learning. It's one of your areas of speciality. And that that must be really important to bring in these use cases to life and combining all those things.
3: Exactly. Exactly. I think we never needed so, so many individuals. You know, the pandemic showed us how many STEM individuals we really need, how many more are required. So I think my focus goes there. We need more people here.
1: Absolutely. And another focus of yours, I really want to get into asking you about the 3D printing, which um, is a big part of of where you're involved in this innovation. And 3D printing sort of not exactly new. The device, the technology has been there for quite some time now, but it's finding those applicable use cases that we're really going to benefit from. And I imagine the printer itself is a small part and there's perhaps an ecosystem of other technologies surrounding getting the best out of that technology. So, you know, what else is involved to bring a 3D printer into a whole innovative solution?
3: Right. So that was an amazing question. And that's a good question. And it is very relevant to the work that I'm doing. So with respect to 3D printing as a technology, it's like 40 years old. So it's not new for sure. But the thing is that, you know, I was just reading an article the other day which said only 10% of doctors are using technology in terms of 3D printing technology. I was surprised by the statistics because the thing is that the technology has been there for long, but the applications of the technology have just begun And the technology doesn't just involve the printer, you know, because it is the software, it is the printer, and then it is the material. And when all of these three come together, along with regulatories, which are not very well placed, they are in the process of being placed. So all of this when comes together, and then you kind of, you know, execute it on the patient. And then, then there is a lot of research which is involved, because that is where then you start using it for long. So this whole thing starting right from uh, the printer, the software, the material as one, and then the regulatory piece as the other, and then both combining them together and doing the research to actually prove that it helps. And that's how the whole thing is run. And I think that has really gone forward in times to come, but it has a long way to go. We need so many more materials because as complex our body is, there is such a lot of potential to create things. It's not only just implants, Guides, and you know, there's personalized medicine which is involved. We can have a personalized printer built up. You know, there are so many other ways of getting the cost down. Some people are building their own printers, some people are creating materials. So, innovation is in every aspect of 3D printing. That's how I feel.
1: So, there's certainly a lot of people involved there, and I wanted to ask whether. Do you sort of see yourself as a, you know, a medical practitioner, a surgeon, or a technologist or a bit of both? Do you have to become almost all those things or can you just be one and rely on someone else to bring the technology but you know is, is it a round table of expertise coming together or do you have to become a, a different kind of specialist than you might have done several years ago?
3: <laughs> That's an amazing question and it's it's the world is different you know uh, earlier if you had just one specialty in terms of medicine it was good but today technology is a part of medicine even if you have to practice you have to know what you're practicing and as you must have read as I am seeing the world the way it is I really feel that the doctors who are not practicing technology will become obsolete because technology is going nowhere. Technology is just beginning. So we have to you know, incorporate technology. That is one thing. But alongside, as I grew in my career, what has happened is that I've incorporated research, I've incorporated technologies and I'm a surgeon as well. And so all of that brings me to a unique position where I understand the problems on the other side of the healthcare sector, which involves surgeons whereas I also understand the problems on the industry side. So kind of these two have to be brought together. I can bridge them very well. That's how I see myself. <laughs>
1: a, gr- a great all-rounder and that's why that's why you're in the position you are and that's why we're talking to you today. <laughs> Thank you. So just on that, w- with you being involved in this journey and, and you sort of explain it really well, going back sort of five years and the pace of change, obviously we've seen it speed up over the last year or so what do you think it's going to look like in the next five to ten years are we going to carry on at this pace or is it going to level out how do you see that happening across the next five maybe even ten years
3: I think we can't imagine that because if you would ask me before the pandemic and after the pandemic, there has been a drastic change. In the last two years, technology has really taken a steep curve because we were not seeing technology growing at such a pace where, you know, augmented reality, virtual reality, they got such a platform because of the pandemic where people couldn't go out of their houses. We couldn't go for surgeries, you know, elective surgeries were kind of just stopped almost during the pandemic. It was only the COVID patients. And so things like that, which happened the education sector was so badly hit and technology suddenly took the whole thing like a storm and we were able to cope up because of technology so i think that in the next 5 years now this is going to be a great period of growth and we just cannot imagine who knows we can have personalized medicines we can have so many more things uh, you know education system would change drastically because with ar and vr we could there could be one consultant in one part of the world teaching the people on the other end of the world so it can just change a lot.
1: Yeah, it's a lot about the attitudes, isn't it? I think the yeah. attitudes to emerging technology have changed recently. People have feared sort of robotics and everything else. But I think the healthcare sector is a really good example of showing people that it's not about, you know, the robotics and the emerging technology is not about replacing what the people do. No. I don't think there's another sector where the technology and the human endeavour are quite so sort of important to be combined. So I just think it's a, yes. a great example to to look at.
2: Yeah, and if I can just uh, pick up on a, a point there as, as well, one of the things that you mentioned there was that personalised service, and uh, but also I can see a, a potentially... The opportunities that it brings, you know, you could potentially have a, a case that you can bring expertise in literally to the operating theatre from another part of the world. That possibility is is unbelievable, isn't it? Moving forward. Yes. In terms of um one of the th- questions that you know I like to ask some of our guests that are in the sector-specific category, such as healthcare. Is that our audience, our listeners, will include a lot of people who are supporting the healthcare sector with infrastructure, with devices, with software, with technology? What conversations should they be having with with the healthcare sector, with their customers, in terms of innovative technology? Perhaps thinking, you know, infrastructure cetera, for the next five or ten years. You know, if you were selling into the sector, what conversations would you be having?
3: Wow, <laughs> that's an amazing question because that really answers uh, the problems that that particular sector is really facing at the moment. So I would say that the first thing you've got to explain your ideal client, which is your doctor, is going to be the benefits of this technology, not only for the doctor, because the doctor is going to further use it for the patient. So you've got to keep the patient in the center. It has to be patient focused. It has to start from the burnout which is involved, from the time which is being saved by the doctor. And then also because you're creating an art of care, you know, you're delivering uh, more possibilities and predictability. So you've got to explain that. What does predictability mean in terms of the service that you provide? What is possibility in terms of what is possible with the service you provide? And then also take care about the personal things like the burnout, because that's really important for the doctor, for the surgeons and of course on the aspect where when when it comes to the patient you got to see how much time are you saving using that technology as you said the recovering time and then the revenue involved which is so important because there are countries where it is all covered by the government, but there are countries where the patient has to cover that. So that aspect is equally important. So I think all of these factors where you show the benefits and possibilities, they need to be communicated very well to your ideal client.
2: So patient care is obviously still the forefront there. And all yes. The cost is probably coming into a second or third place very quickly, isn't yes, it? Yes,
3: definitely. So the
2: best possible care at the most reasonable price, I suppose, is a good message. Yes. Yes. So turning into, uh, I suppose, a lighthearted conversation around your role, are you a fan of virtual learning or in in person in the future?
3: I think it has to be a mix. You cannot be just one. (laughs) It has to be a mix of things. Yeah.
2: Okay. And um, in terms of your um, favorite tech gadget, probably a 3D printer, but uh, have you got anything else?
3: Well, I would say that it was a 3D printer up until the pandemic hadn't come. Now it's my VR headset. All right.
2: Okay. So uh, what, what do you use that for?
3: Oh, I presently I'm using it for a couple of things like meditation and uh, some dance classes and some music classes and stuff like that. Wow! I'm really enjoying. I also visited a few countries with that. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs>
2: That's fab, and we, I know we've, we've been talking to a lot of futurists and uh, virtual worlds has been a very uh, topical subject, but yeah, that, the fact that that can bring that journey into your own home is crazy, isn't it? We wouldn't have thought about that five five oh, yes. years ago, but there we go. <laughs> and uh, the, the other thing, I normally torment some of our guests about the uh, the English Football League, but I decided not to go with that question with yourself <laughs> because we are actually more interested, mm-hmm. I know you see a lot of trauma and, and uh, you do a lot of fatal reconstruction surgery, and I suppose question is, what, which sports do you actually see most traumas from? Because you're probably going to see a lot.
3: Yeah. So I see more of facial traumas and I see more of nasal fractures. If you consider sports, you know, there are more cricket injuries in India because cricket is one of the sports which which is played more, almost 40%. And then next is like Kabaddi, which is, a, which is another sport which is played in India. But the injuries associated with these sports are more of like, you know, knee injuries and shoulder injuries. But what comes to clinics and what comes to hospitals is more of injuries like the fracture of a nose, which usually involves where it is athletics and, you know, wrestling and all of that stuff.
2: Well, Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah. so cricket balls and noses don't go well together. <laughs> True. Yeah, I used to actually, I remember actually uh, been in the back of an ambulance uh, one day myself and uh, the ambulance crew were telling me that most of their uh, traumas that they see were actually from horse
1: riding. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that, Ian, is why I like playing cricket on a beach with a tennis ball. Ooh. <laughs> interesting steve have you got anything else to cover no i've really enjoyed it um you know it's it's fascinating I, i could keep asking you questions all day but i i love talking about sort of we're talking about technology and then we're talking about wellness but wellness isn't this sort of other area of holistic it all comes together with the people the technology the wellness and the attitude so i love the combination really interesting subjects so yeah thank you for your time today
2: yes thank you for your time today we'll wrap up and let you get on with your day job i'm sure you've got more uh, pressing things to do than, than speaking to steve and i but uh, we really do appreciate your time it's been fascinating hearing your thoughts on um the healthcare sector really much appreciated thank you very much
3: thank you thank you it was a pleasure being here
0: Thanks for listening to ASM Connected, the podcast from ASM Technologies with guest Dr. Rushi Pathak-Kal. If you've enjoyed this episode, subscribe now to make sure you never miss an update and check out the other episodes in the series featuring key speakers, futurists and business leaders from across the globe. And to find out more about the team at ASM Technologies or about anything discussed in the podcast, visit asmtech.com. This is ASM Connected.